Hello everyone, this is the sixth episode of the Percy Jackson Podcast. I mean the sixth chapter. It's probably the hundredth episode we're doing or something. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the group has ascended into the labyrinth. Let's see what happens next. I mean, they're bound to face dangers, I mean. <laughs> it's obvious. They will meet monsters, gods, demons, whatever. Okay, it's... And probably Nico, I don't know. Okay, let's start the chapter. We made it 30 meters before we were hopelessly lost. The tunnel looked nothing like the one Annabeth and I stumbled into before. Now, it was round, like a sewer, constructed of red brick with iron-barred portholes every three meters. I shone a light through one of the portholes out of curiosity, but I couldn't see anything. It opened into infinite darkness. I thought I heard a voice on the other side, but it just may have been the cold wind. Annabeth tried her best to guide us. She had this idea that we should stick to the left wall. If we keep one hand on the left wall and follow it, she said we should be able to find out the way again by a reversing course. Unfortunately, as soon as, this, as soon as she said that, the left wall disappeared. We found ourselves in the middle of a circular chamber with eight tunnels leading out and no idea how we got there. Um, which way did we come in again? Grover said nervously. Just turn around, Annabeth said. We turned towards a different tunnel. It was ridiculous. None of us could decide which way led back to camp. Left walls are mean, Tyson said. Which way now? Annabeth swept her flashlight beam over the archways of the eight tunnels. As far as I could tell, they were identical. That way, she said. How do you know? I said. Deductive reasoning. So you're guessing. Just come on. The tunnel she'd chosen narrowed quickly. The walls turned to gray cement and the ceiling got so low that pretty soon we were hunching over. Tyson was forced to crawl. Grover's hyperventilating was the loudest sound in the maze. I can't stand it anymore. He whispered, are we there yet? We've been down here maybe five minutes, Annabeth told him. It's been longer than that, Grover insisted. And why would Pan be down here? This is the opposite of the wild. We kept shuffling forward, but when I, I was sure the tunnel would get so narrow it squish us, it opened to a huge room, a shone. My ladder around the walls answered war. The whole room was covered in mosaic tiles. The pictures were grimy and faded, but I could still make out the colors red, blue, green, gold. The frizz showed the Olympian gods at a feast. There was my dad, Poseidon the strident, holding out grace for Dionysus to turn into wine. Zeus was parting with satyrs, and Hermes was flying through the air on his winged sandals. The pictures were beautiful. But they weren't very accurate at seeing the gods. Dionysus was not that handsome. Hermes' nose wasn't that big. In the middle of the room was a three-tiered fountain. It looked like it hadn't held water in a long time. What is this place? I muttered. It looks... Roman? Annabeth said. Those mosaics are about 2,000 years old. But how can they be Roman? I wasn't... That great on ancient history, but I was pretty sure the Roman Empire never made it as far as Long Island. The labyrinth is a patchwork, Annabeth said. I told you, it's always expanding, adding pieces. 
It's the only work of architecture that grows by itself. You make it sound like it's alive. A groaning noise echoed from the tunnel in front of us. Let's not talk about it being alive, Grover whimpered. Please. All right. Forward. Down the hall with the bat sounds, Tyson said. Even he looked nervous. Yes, Annabeth said. The architecture is getting older. That's a good sign. Daedalus's workshop would be in the oldest part. That made sense, but soon the maze was toying with us. We went 15 meters and the tunnel turned back to cement with brass pipes running down the sides. The walls were spray-painted with graffiti. A neon tag sign read, Moz Rules. I'm thinking this is not Roman, I said helpfully. Annabeth took a deep breath and forged ahead. Every few meters, the tunnels twisted and turned and branched off. The floor beneath us changed from cement to mud to bricks and back again. There was no sense to any of it. We stumbled into a wine cellar, a bunch of dusty bottles and wooden racks, like we were walking through somebody's basement, only there was no exit behind of us. Just more tunnels leading on. Later, the ceiling turned to wooden planks, and I could hear voices above us and the creaking of footsteps, as if we were walking under some kind of bar. It was reassuring to hear people, but then again, we couldn't get to them. We were stuck down here with no way out. Then we found our first skeleton. He was dressed in white clothes like some kind of uniform. A wooden crate of glass bottles sat next to him. A milkman, Annabeth said. What? They used to deliver milk. Yeah, I know what they are, but... That was when my mom was little, like a million years ago. What's he doing here? Some people wander in by mistake, Annabeth said. Some come exploring on purpose and never make it back. A long time ago, the Cretans even sent people in here as human sacrifices. Grover gulped. He's been down here a long time. He pointed to the skeleton's bottles, which were coated with white dust. The skeleton's fingers were clawing at the brick wall like he, was, like he had died, trying to get out. Only bones, Tyson said. Don't worry, goat boy. The milkman is dead. The milkman doesn't bother me, Grover said. It's the smell. Monsters. Can't you smell it? Tyson nodded, lots of monsters, but underground smells like that. Monsters and dead milk people. Oh, good, Grover whimpered. I thought maybe I was wrong. We have to get deeper into the maze, Annabeth said. There has to be a way to the center. She led us to the right, then left through a corridor of stainless steel, like some kind of air shaft, and we arrived back in the Roman tile room with the fountain. Only this time, we weren't alone. What I noticed first were his faces, both of them. They jutted out from either side of his head, staring over his shoulder so his head was much wider than what it should have been, kind of like a hammerhead shark's. Looking straight at him, all I saw were two overlapping ears and mirror image sideburns. He was dressed in New York City Dolman, a long black overcoat, uh, shiny shoes and a black top hat that somehow managed to stay on his double white head. Well, Annabeth said his left face. Hurry up. Don't mind him, said the right face. He's terribly rude. Right this way, miss. Annabeth's jaw dropped. Eh? I don't. Tyson frowned. That funny man has two faces. The funny man has years, you know, the left face scolded. Now come along, miss.
No, no, the right face said. This way, miss. Talk to me, please. The two-faced man regarded Annabeth as best as he could out of the corners of his eyes. It was impossible to look at him straight on because, without focusing on one side or the other. And suddenly I realized that was he was asking. He wanted Annabeth to choose. Behind him were two exits, blocked by wooden doors with huge iron locks. They hadn't been there our first time through the room. The two-faced doorman held a silver key which kept passing from his left hand to his right hand. I wondered if this was a different room completely, but the frizz of guards looked exactly the same. Behind us, the doorway we'd come through had disappeared, replaced by more mosaics. We wouldn't be going back the same way we'd come. The exits are closed, Annabeth said. Duh, the left man, the left face said. Where does it lead? She asked. One probably leads to the way you wish to go, the right face said encouragingly. The other leads to certain death. I, I know who you are, Annabeth said. Oh, you're a smart one. But do you know which way to choose? I don't have all day. Why are you trying to confuse me? Annabeth asked. The right face smiled. You're in charge now, my dear. All the decisions are on your shoulders. That's what you wanted, isn't it? We know you, Annabeth, the left face said. We know what you wrestle with every day. We know your indecision. You will have to make your choice sooner or later. And the choice may kill you. I didn't know what they were talking about. But it sounded like it was more than a choice between doors. The color drained out of Annabeth's face. No, I don't, I don't. Leave her alone, I said. Who are you anyway? I'm your best friend, the right face said. I'm your worst enemy, the left face said. I'm Janus, both faces said in harmony. God of doorways, beginnings, endings, choices. I'll see you soon enough, Percy Jackson, said the right face. But for now, it's Annabeth's turn. He laughed giddily. Such fun. Shut up. His left face said, this is serious. One bad choice can ruin your whole life. It can kill you and all your friends. But no pressure, Annabeth. Choose. With a sudden chill, I remember the words of the prophecy. The child of Anna, the child of Athena's, the child of Athena's final stand. Don't do it, I said. I'm afraid she has to, the right face said cheerfully. Annabeth moistened her lips. I, I choose. Before she could point to a door, a brilliant light flooded the room. Janus raises his hand to either side of his head to cover his eyes. When the light died, a woman was standing at the fountain. She was tall and graceful with long hair the color of chocolate, braided in plates with gold ribbons. She wore a simple white dress, but when she moved, the fabric shimmered with colors like oil on water. Janus, she said. Are we causing trouble again? No, 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 milady. Janus's right face stammered. Yes, the, said the left face. Shut up, the right face said. Excuse me, the woman asked. Not you, milady. I was talking to myself. I see, the lady said. You know very well your visit is premature. The girl's time has not yet come. So I give you a choice. Leave these heroes to me. Or I shall turn you into a door and break you down. What kind of door? 
The left face asked, Shut up! The right face said, Because French doors are nice. The left face mused, Lots of natural light. Shut up! The right face wailed, Not you, milady. Of course, I'll leave. I was just having a little bit of fun, doing my job, offering choices, causing indecision. The woman corrected, Now be gone. The left face muttered, Party pooper, and he raised his silver key and started into the air and disappeared. The woman turned towards us, and fear closed around my heart. Her eyes shone with power. Leave these heroes to me. That didn't sound good. For a second, I almost wished we could have taken our chances with Janus. But then the woman smiled. You must be hungry, she said. Sit with me and talk. She waved her hand, and the old Roman fountain began to grow. Jets of water disappeared, uh, sprayed in the air. A marble table appeared, laden with platters of sandwiches and pitchers of lemonade. Who are, who are you? I asked. I am Hera, Queen of Heaven. Okay. okay, we meet another god. And why is Zeus, Queen of Heaven, Olympus, whatever? Cool, 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 cool. Seen Hero once before at a council of the gods, but I hadn't paid much attention to her. At the time, I'd been surrounded by a bunch of other gods who were debating whether or not to try to kill me. I don't remember her looking so normal. Of course, gods are usually seven meters tall when they're in Olympus, so that makes them look a lot less normal. But now Hero looked like a regular mom. She served the sandwiches and poured lemonade. Grover, dear, she said, use your napkin, don't eat it. Yes, ma'am, Grover said. Tyson, you're wasting away. Would you like another peanut butter sandwich? Tyson stifled a bet. Yes, nice lady. Queen Hera, Annabeth said, I can't believe it. What are you doing in the labyrinth? Hera smiled. She flicked one finger and Annabeth's hair combed itself. All the dirt and grime disappeared from her face. I came to see you, naturally, the goddess said. Grover and I exchange nervous looks. Usually when gods come looking for you, it's not of the goodness out of their hearts. It's because they want something. Still, that didn't keep me from chowing down turkey and cheese sandwiches and crisps and lemonade. I didn't realize how hungry I was. Tyson was inhaling one peanut butter sandwich after another and Grover was loving the lemonade, crunching the styrofoam cup like an ice cream cone. I didn't think Annabeth faltered. Well, I didn't think you liked heroes. Hera smiled indulgently. Because of that little spat I heard with Hercules, honestly, I got so much bad press because of one disagreement. Didn't you try to kill him? Like, lots of times? Annabeth asked. Hero waved her hand dismissively. Water under the bridge, my dear. Besides, he was one of my loving husband's children by another woman. My patience is poor thin. I'll admit it, but Zeus and I had some excellent marriage counseling sessions since then. We've aired our feelings and come to an understanding, especially after that last little incident. You mean when he sighed Thalia? I guessed, but immediately I wished I had him. As soon as I said the name of our friend, the half-blood daughter of Zeus, Hera's eyes turned towards me frostily. Percy Jackson, isn't it? One of Poseidon's... Sure. I got a feeling she was thinking of another word besides children. As I recall, I voted to let you live at the winter solstice. I hope I voted correctly. 
She turned back to Annabeth with a sunny smile. At any rate, I certainly bear you no ill will, my girl. I appreciate the difficulty of your quest, especially when you have troublemakers like Jean used to deal with. Annabeth lowered her gaze. Why was he here? He was driving me crazy. Trying to. Here I agreed, you must understand. The minor girl like Jean have always been frustrated by the small parts you play in the universe. Some, I fear, have that love for Olympus and could easily be swayed to support the rise of my father. Your father? I said, oh, all right. I'd forgotten with Kronos. That Kronos was here as that too, along with Zeus, beside and all the other Olympians. I guess that made Kronos my grandfather, but I thought was so weird, I put it out of my mind. You must watch the minor gods, Hera said. Genus, Hecate, Morpheus. They gave lip service to Olympus and yet... That's where Dionysus went, I remember. He was checking on the minor gods. Indeed, Hera stared at the fading mosaics of the Olympians. You see, in times of trouble, even gods can lose faith. They start putting their trust in the wrong things, petty things. They stop looking at the big picture and start being selfish, but I'm the goddess of marriage, you see. I am used to perseverance. You have to rise above the squabbling and chaos and keep believing. You have to always keep your goals in mind. What are your goals? Annabeth asked. She smiled. To keep my family, the Olympians, together, of course. At the moment, the best way I can do that is by helping you. Zeus does not allow me to interfere much, I'm afraid, but once every century or so, for a quest I care deeply about, he allows me to grant a wish. A wish. Before you ask it, let me give you some advice, which I can do for free. I know you seek Daedalus. His labyrinth is as much a mystery to me as it is to you. But if you want to know his fate, I would visit my son Hephaestus at his forge. Daedalus was a great inventor, a mortal after Hephaestus' heart. There was never a mortal Hephaestus admired more. If anyone would have kept up with Daedalus and could tell you his fate, it is Hephaestus. But how do we get there? Annabeth asked. That's my wish. I want a way to navigate the labyrinth. Hera looked disappointed. So be it. You wish for something, however, that you have already been given. I don't understand. The means is already within your grasp. She looked at me. Percy knows the answer. I do? But that's not fair, Annabeth said. You're not telling us what it is. Hira shook her head. Getting something and having the wits to use it, those are two different things. I'm sure your mother Athena would agree. The room rumbled like distant thunder. Hira stood. That would be my cue. Zeus grows impatient. Think on what I have said, Annabeth. Seek out Hephaestus. You will have to pass to the ranch, I imagine. Keep going and use all the means at your disposal. However common they might seem. She pointed towards the two doors and they melted away, revealing twin corridors, open and dark. One last thing, Annabeth, I have postponed your day of choice. I have not prevented it. Soon, as Janu as said, you will have to make a decision. Farewell. She waved her hand and turned into white smoke. So did the food, just as Tyson chomped on a sandwich that turned to mist in his mouth. The fountain trickled to a stop. The mosaic walls dimmed and turned grungy and faded again. The room was no longer any place you'd want to have a picnic.
Albert stamped her foot. What sort of help was that? Here, have a sandwich, make a wish. Oops, I can help you. Poof. Poof. Tyson agrees sadly, looking at his empty plate. Well, Grover sighed. She said Prissy knows the answer. That's something. They all looked at me. But I don't, I said. I don't know what she was talking about. Albert sighed. All right, then we'll just keep going. Which way? I asked. I really wanted to ask what here I had meant about the choice Annabeth needed to make, but then Grover and Tyson both danced. They stood up together, like they had rehearsed it. Left, they both said, Annabeth frowned. How can you be so sure? Because something is coming from the right, Grover said. Something big, Tyson agreed, in a hurry. Left sounding pretty, pretty good, I decided together. We plunged into the dark corridor. Cool, that's the end of the chapter. We met a god. We met a minor god. We had some unsettling things discussed. I wonder what Annabeth's choices mean. Ooh, the impending nature of it. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah, okay, that's the end of the chapter. We'll meet again. Next Sunday, only on the Percy Jackson Podcast.